Choke points. Let's go. A new tunnel off-ramp opens this morning designed to tame one of the worst spots on the east side. Once again, Chris Sullivan. And uh, anybody who travels around 520 between Bellevue and Redmond knows this spot. Probably knows it well. It's 148th Avenue Northeast. That's the exit just before you get off at the main Microsoft campus. It crosses 520 just south of the campus, and it provides access to Bell Red Road. It serves neighborhoods. It serves Microsoft. It serves business parks, strip malls, things like that. It's a really popular exit. Now, to take 148th northbound from eastbound 520 is relatively simple. You get off, you take a loop ramp, and then you take a ride at the signal. No biggie. To head southbound is a lot more challenging, not because of the design, but where many people who get off at that ramp want to go. They want to head east or take a left turn after they exit the freeway at Northeast 24th Street. The problem is that street is only 600 feet from the off-ramp, and everybody has to jog hard to the left to try to get over there, but there's only 600 feet of capacity, so when that light's red, they can't do it, so it backs up the ramp, it backs up onto 520, because there's just not enough room. The left-turning traffic at the 24th, 148th intersection would back up north and block off the ramp, and ramp traffic was backing up onto the freeway. Kind of like I said, that's Tom LeBole. He's the project manager for what the Washington Department of Transportation came up with to address this. WashDOT split the off-ramp from eastbound 520 to southbound 148th and put in a little tunnel ramp that provides access behind the business parks to that another signal at 24th. The left side will go up to 148th for the southbound movement. The right side of the ramp splits off, goes underneath 148th through the tunnel, and provides access to the new Stady Street grid, Hopper, Lumiere, Shen Street, uh, with further access down to 24th and uh, 152nd. So if you're familiar with this spot, that tunnel actually puts you behind the strip mall where the Safeway is, and then anybody who wants to head east there can... And they can do it without clogging 148th. Now, there's going to be a learning curve here today because, Dave, as you know, as you get off at that off-ramp, it says 148th southbound, 148th northbound. There's already kind of a two-lane. One lane peels off, one lane doesn't. Then they've split the lane on the right, which is the southbound lane. One goes up, so you can go southbound on 148th. And then the tunnel dives down to the right and puts you behind. So if you need to turn on 24th, don't worry. If you're really confused, you can go to MyNorthwest.com. I took some video up there yesterday. should kind of explain it. Uh, but, yeah, there's going to be a learning curve. Pretty well signed. And with time, we're confident people will understand what the routes are and how to go about doing it. And this is one of those kind of examples where WashDOT uses its existing footprint to try to find ways to solve congestion without really building something super big. Plus, there's a bunch of stuff in the way. Like, I don't know, that giant light rail <laughs> ran, oh, oh, that That's runs the right thing. over the top of it. So it's one of those things. Because of the existing infrastructure, and especially with the construction of the Sound Transit Guideway, a more traditional flyover ramp was not an option. Adding a through movement would have added significant congestion to an already very congested area. And so really the only direct way to address it was with a essentially a direct access ramp, and the only real feasible way to do that was through a tunnel. 
Okay, so this opens 10, 11 o'clock this morning. Uh, probably once or twice through, you'll kind of get an idea, but you no longer need to get off at 148, take a right, and then try to jog down to 24th to take the left. You can dive down into this little tunnel, go behind the Safeway, and get onto 24th. Again, I know it's really confusing and hard to visualize while you're driving, uh, and I may not have done a great job explaining it, but there is video up at MyNorthwest.com to kind of show you what the configuration will look. it looks like. I just want to say that whole area of East Bellevue, to the Redmond border has become so confusing. We'd like to go to Mercury's Coffee down there. Okay, right? yeah. And and I, I seem to go a different way each time because sometimes <laughs> the road is open, sometimes it's closed. Sometimes you have to get off the, the 120th exit changed or 124th, whatever right. it has changed a while back. Do you turn left? Do you turn right? It's like they shift the the, the, the location of the coffee shop every time I go. <laughs> maybe, or maybe they've opened five more locations and or, you've never been to the same one twice. <laughs> I don't know. But the, yeah, you're right. Between I can't wait to see what happens when the light rail gets in there. Yeah. I mean, and again, that's another reason why they did this, because this will yeah. provide a direct access for people from 520 eastbound to get into yeah. where that where the garage is going to be. it's also a street be. level there, which I didn't expect. Yeah. It's going to be a street. They're going to have at crossing point, bars yeah. and everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it runs at grade and then also at height in a multiple you know multiple places. What's the latest on uh, the 405 tolls now? Uh, well, it uh, looks like we're going to be paying the max uh, at $15 now going forward. That's what the commission voted on yesterday to increase them on both 167 and 405 to 15 bucks. Uh, there will be about a month's long worth of public comment. Not that that does much good. Usually by the time we've gotten to this point in the road, it's going to happen. But again, there is public comment time for you to you know let, at least let them know. And then uh, this should take effect in March. Uh, but I thought it was very interesting that yesterday during the comments or from the from the commissioners, they're like, yeah, but it's you know it's probably never going to you know it's only going to reach the max very not very often. I'm yeah. like, boy, where did I hear that before? <laughs> and why did I pull out a darn kazoo to remind everybody that that's what they said eight years ago, and yet we hit it every morning. Yeah. So, but yeah, 15 bucks is the max. That's what we're looking at most likely going forward in March. Seattle's morning news, Dave Ross and Colleen O'Brien with Chris Sullivan. And news broke yesterday that Tesla is recalling over 2 million vehicles at the suggestion of federal regulators. We got details from WWJ Radio's auto reporter Jeff Gilbert in Detroit and asked him to explain the reason behind this recall. These are vehicles that have Tesla's uh, autopilot function. And what they're going to do with this recall is it's an over-the-year update that will allow autopilot to more easily monitor drivers, make sure they're engaged, and also make sure that the system is only used on roads where it's appropriate. I mean, we're talking limited access roads, freeways, and the like. Now, a, a number of cars, I was just driving a, uh, a Kia Soul when I uh, took a vacation trip to uh, the East Coast, and it has this little feature where it nudges you into your lane, you know, when you use a lane assist. I assume other cars uh, have it too. But it also, it beeps at you if you actually, because I tried this, took my hands off the wheel for a, a microsecond. Um, and, and I'm wondering, what's the, what is the industry's thinking on this? Is there a point where this just gets more confusing than helpful? Well, you know, what you're seeing is some of the gold standards of this are, are what's called Super Cruise at GM and Blue Cruise at Ford. And what they do is they have cameras mounted inside the vehicle that look at your eyes and they make sure your eyes are on the road while the vehicle is operating. And these are vehicles that can operate hands-free on a freeway. You can just totally take your hands off, but you can't zone out. And that's what one of the complaints about Tesla is they don't have that kind of drive monitoring and people have been able to 
beat the system, which just essentially requires you to have your hands on the wheel. And that, particularly with the Tesla, has been kind of easy to defeat. This is what's been going on? Drivers of of these uh, super intelligent cars try to beat the system? Oh, yes. You know, you know what they say, just when you make something foolproof, they come up and invent a better fool. And that is kind of what has happened here. Uh, Search YouTube. There are people who have actually put weights on the steering wheel of the Tesla vehicle. So it thinks your hands are on the wheel, crawled in the back seat and put videos on YouTube saying, look at my invisible driver. Wait a minute, because this technology was supposed to make driving uh, safer by orders of magnitude. And we have people who are or drivers who are actively trying to sabotage it. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the government has said to Tesla is you've got to make it harder for them to do things like that. There have been a number of accidents. And in many of these, it's been a case of where the driver who is supposed to be in control of the vehicle has apparently zoned out and let the vehicle do the operations. And it's too easy to do with with Tesla's system. And this update is meant to make it more difficult. Can you believe that? I mean, that's just that's nuts. So on do another, it on a closed racetrack or oh, something, well, right? I, like I why do, on the freeway, endangering everybody else. Uh, yeah. On another aspect of this, uh, having internet connected vehicles. At your suggestion, I watched uh, "Leave the World Behind." Oh, what did you ne- think? Netflix, Netflix movie. Well, you know, it it could happen. It was can about we a cyber attack. In the, well, we can, but not okay. now. Okay. Uh, it was about a cyber attack in the United States, and one of the plot devices used was that all the Teslas were taken over by a hacker and were sent crashing into each other to block major highways. Which led me to ask Jeff: Is there any discussion from federal regulators on how to dis- how to address cybersecurity concerns involving vehicles that are connected to the Internet. Oh, there is a ton of discussion over security concerns, and there have been so-called white hat hackers who have demonstrated the ability to take over over vehicles. There, there has not actually been any kind of terrorist attack. For the most part, people who, who have tried to hack into vehicles and things like that are, you know, it's good old-fashioned uh, people looking for money, ransomware attacks, th- things of that nature. But again, that is something that is under heavy discussion in the industry. Car makers have have hired these white hat hackers to try to patch some security issues. But yeah, bottom line is it's definitely a concern. So how long will it take for the Tesla recall? If it's just a software update, couldn't they just update it overnight? Yeah, well, that's what they're doing. They're updating it to, to vehicles. Most owners, my understanding is, will just notice that their system operates differently. It's not something anybody has to take a vehicle into a dealership for, things of that nature. Now, there are many safety advocates who say, hey, you know what, Tesla maybe should add some better hardware onto the vehicles. But at this point, it is a software fix only. By the way, on another matter, any progress in making sure that the uh, Kia theft problem isn't repeated in some future model. You know, that that is a software update that cannot be done over the year. So that shows you how long it, it takes if you've got to take a vehicle into a dealership. There have been a lot of cases where Tesla, about Tesla, Kia has, Kia and Hyundai have set up clinics in cities so that they can do mass repairs. I can't tell you how far along that update is, but I know it's it's kind of slow going because there are so many vehicles involved. I guess what I'm getting at is, does that send a message to car makers to be a little more careful about making sure that there are adequate anti-theft safeguards in their cars. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, all of the lawsuits stemming from it and uh, negative publicity certainly sends a message to all car makers. Uh, you know, anytime anything like that happens, everybody everybody's attention is grabbed because this is going to cost Kia and Hyundai billions of dollars. Host of the Car Chronicles, Jeff Gilbert of WWJ in Detroit. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Dave. Morning News. Good morning. I'm Colleen O'Brien with Dave Ross and Chris Sullivan. Kevin Brassler from Checkbook.org, executive editor of Checkbook.org, joins us this morning to share some tips and tricks to make sure you are saving money, that you are not getting tricked this holiday season when you're out shopping. So I want to start with that because you have a whole section on Checkbook.org about manipulative marketing tricks. Tell us about that. Yeah, we've come up with the, the 30 ways sellers like to try to manipulate their sellers. And they've become quite sophisticated at tricking us into buying more and buying now, and especially to make us think we're getting great deals when, in fact, they're serving up the same fake discounts mm. week after week, month after month. Let me uh, guess one. Is it they only one left in stock or 26 others have it in their cart? Right. That's part of it. You know, they'll, they'll use price lineups where they'll show you a range of items, knowing you'll pick the one in the middle. And also now, because they're showing you an expensive one, you'll say, well, now it seems reasonable to pay $150 for this thing. But that's fake? Well, they're just they're, it's a way to, to kind of massage you into thinking, OK, this seems reasonable. They know you won't spring for the thousand dollar item, maybe. But now, oh, three hundred dollars for a similar item seems reasonable. Wow. But the really big way, the most common way they, they manipulate us these days is with fake sales. Uh, we at our nonprofit group have been researching retailers, uh, th their sale prices for more than a decade now. And this has become so commonplace where almost every major retailer now presents something as a discount. They cross out a list price or a regular price and say, oh, we're, you're going to save 40% today or tomorrow or this week or whatever but they rarely, if ever, charge that original price. There's actually an industry term for those crossed-out prices. They're called anchor prices. Mm -hmm. And they exist only to make us think that the, the thing we're thinking about buying is worth more than it actually is, that it has this higher value dollar amount because they say, oh, this is the list amount. Is this the, as if this is the prevailing cost of the item. And then they give us a steep discount on that, $100 off or 40% off. Or and 80%. people are susceptible to this. Why? Because we're not out shopping in person right, as much know, as we used to. We're not price comparing. Well, or they know, is it yeah. Well, 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 first of all, it creates kind of a time-sensitive situation. You think, oh, this is a special deal. I'd better jump on this now. It's 60% off. I better not even shop around. I mean, I mean, they're, they're yeah. giving it away, right? Yeah. The other thing it makes us think is, I'm getting a great deal here. Now I can, quote unquote, afford to buy more. We all do this, right? You oh, say, yes. oh, I saved so much money today. This was such a great sale. Yeah. Now I can buy more. But you didn't save anything because the prices they're crossing out, they rarely, if ever, charge. Some retailers we found never present those. The, the sale price is just the original price they would have said. Aren't there are, rules about that, though? There isn't, are. Isn't that fraud? In well, some there way? is. So, so the FTC has a clear-cut rule on this, and it's been around for more than 50 years, which says that if you present something as the prevailing price and offer a discount or a sale off that, but that crossed-out price is not indeed the prevailing price, and it's not hardly with any retailer anymore, then that's against the law. You're misleading people. It's deceptive pricing. And yet the FTC has not enforced that rule since the 1970s. Oh, what? 
And the, so for well, then, well, so for a long time, you know, the stores see? were doing this were department stores. Yes, and it was kind of a wink, wink thing. People who you know usually shop there knew what was going on. But now, almost every major retailer, all the big box stores, most online retailers, uh, we tracked prices at twenty four major retailers for thirty three weeks. And found that all but three were guilty of this behavior more than half the time. So the you track it. So you're, you're keeping records on this? And so you, you can tell we, when there's a genuine discount and was it when there's not? We've done three series of, of price tracking where we've looked at their sales continuously for more than six months and found nowadays, when we started doing this research more than 10 years ago, only those department stores were doing it. Now every major retailer does it except for three one is apple it just rarely if ever discounts any of its products. they don't have to right yeah, yeah. and then uh, costco if something's on sale at costco it's usually a sign that's gonna be discontinued right? good for they costco. just don't bother Staying with honest. this behavior uh and the third was target although target we found sometimes does conduct these you know for certain items especially like small appliances like cuisinart mixers for some reason everyone discounts those every single day of the week so what is our solution to this what can we do as consumers because we clearly can't call the ftc (laughs) yeah well it's critical that you not get duped by this and it's it's difficult because i mean i've done it with my own kids they want this purse and they say oh but it's 40 percent off we better buy it now right you have to just realize that this is the most common way these this these days that they're trying to manipulate us into thinking that there's this time pressure situation here or to get us to think that I'm somehow saving so much money, but all those crossed out prices are just ridiculous. They don't really exist. That's not the value of the item you're considering. And so the most important thing is don't be in a hurry. And then secondly, shop around, because often we found that even when the retailers were saying something was 60 percent off, we could buy it even for less somewhere else under somebody else's fake sale that just happened to be better. <laughs> and I've heard of Camel, Camel, Camel. That's easy right. to remember, although it's a bit silly. It's, so people go, can I really trust a website called Camel, Camel, Camel? But what other price yeah. comparison websites can well, we trust? It's, it's difficult to spit out on air. Too, <laughs> it really it? is. Yeah, I'm doing my best. Uh, the, the thing about Camel, Camel, Camel is that it, it tracks prices at Amazon over the course of the year. So it will at least tell you, OK, this is the lowest price that Amatron, Amazon tried to sell this item for. Doesn't mean Amazon has the best price for it, but at least gives you a sense of, okay, this is probably the basement price for it. Uh, Yahoo Shopping has a shopping bot. Uh, there's others called PriceGrabber.com where they kind of scour the web. Uh, but really, the, you know, the main thing you can do is just do a simple internet search for the item you're considering buying. None of these things are perfect. Uh, you know, Google's only going to show you stuff from advertisers for the most part. So it may not be the lowest, lowest price out there, but at least gives you a sense as to whether or not the, the, the discount you're being offered is, you know, a, a legitimate one, that the price you're being offered is indeed a low one. And a lot of the big box retailers, too, will do price matching. So it's a smart idea anyway, right. if you're at a large retailer to do that price comparison, then say, hey, do you price match? And you could save money. Right. And we found that's quite easy to do. It seems like a hassle, right, that you have to go. Not to if you're saving $20. Go stand in line at customer service. But we actually found that usually you can just approach any sales associate yes. or checkout person. and They'll just immediately apply that lower amount. Another thing you can do is if you're worried that, you know, that, oh, it's the holiday season and prices are going to get even lower, most stores, especially this time of the year, have a low price guarantee in the sense that if the price gets lower at that retailer within the next month or so, you can go back to it and say, hey, I want you to do a price adjustment and give me a credit for this amount. That's actually shockingly easy to do. Usually if you call the 800 number or just wow. approach somebody in a store. I'm a bad shopper. Made- <laughs> I've never done that. You well, don't shop for deals and sales and you... Don't go well, through the loopholes. Well, I mean, I used to, but I, it was so time. Yeah. How, how much time do you, before you go to the shopping trip yourself, 
How much research do you feel you have to do? Oh, I see. This is the thing. I don't buy anything. <laughs> uh, okay. So, but I will say that, you know, when I do need to make a major purchase, I will you know, do quite a bit of shopping to make sure it's the item I want yeah. if I'm getting a big screen TV or whatever. Or, or I'll track something for like a price. year. You will. I, I figure. Well, I will for uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, a yeah. year. Especially a TV, like you mentioned. I, sure. Well, the thing I spend a lot of time, you know, kind of tracking prices on are our airline uh, tickets. Ah, because a family of four, we usually yeah. do a lot of traveling and. And I do want to make sure that I'm paying a low price. And so I do have a good sense for most destinations of as what's a good deal there. All right. Thank you so much to Kevin Brassler, executive editor of Checkbook.org. You can read all about the topics we talked about today. Uh, so, Kevin, thank you so much thank for you. your time. Daily Dose of Kindness, brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. A Las Vegas teacher is using her popular TikTok account to help students in need. Sherry Guy, better known as Miss Guy on TikTok, is in her first year of teaching at Desert Pines High School. She teaches English and works with the Jaguar Academy. It's a program helping at-risk students. Every year, the high school runs a program called Wishmas. It's where students write down the gift they would like most, and the school plus community members work together to purchase those gifts. Miss Guy tells ABC affiliate KTNV TV she was inspired by this program and plans to help in any way she can. This is my home. This is, these are my kids. Uh, this is my community. The school says it does its best to purchase gifts for all of the students who sign up. But the school usually has to select students who they'll buy gifts for since there's so many kids in need. Out of over 3,000 students at the high school, more than 900 signed up for Wish Miss. When Miss Guy found out how many students there were in need at her school, she released a video calling for gift-giving help from her many followers on TikTok. There's no way even all the teachers, if we all picked one student, we couldn't cover everything. And her followers answered the call. So we have probably filled... Well, over 300 wish misses and then the teachers probably have filled another 100 and it's what the students are asking for that caught people's attention they literally put they want a bag of talkies and their reason is it will help me not be hungry others asked for help with covering their family's grocery bills even slippers to keep them warm at night miss guy says the gift requests touched her heart and desert pines high school principal isaac stein says these are students that have struggled and what I love about them is they'll give you the shirt off their back, even when they don't have the shirt to give off their back. The gift giving continues and the students say they see the impact from these gifts. And now direct from the Gian Ursula show, the host of the Gian Ursula show and also our senior Tesla's correspondent, <laughs> uh, G. Scott. Good morning, brother. So is your Tesla being recalled? Um, well, no. It's not. No. Uh, well, two million are, right? Two right. million of all of the different models, the threes, the S's, the X's, uh, the plats, all, all, all the different models, the Y's. Oh, that's right. You have the fancy one. Mm-hmm. I do. What is yours called? They're all fancy. I have the, I have the, I have the S plaid yeah. at the plaid one. That's right. His is extra fancy, though, yeah. Dave. You have to understand. So, okay. So let's get to this right here. Number one, I think it'll be nothing more than <laughs> an update. Uh, like a continuously, that's what's been happening. But what has happened in the past is this. If you do buy the feature of the autopilot, which is now it's like an extra $15,000 onto the car. If you do do that and you turn it on, what usually happens is is you have to probably like every, I don't know, minute or every two and a half minutes to three minutes, it makes you 
hit the steering wheel and make sure you're holding the steering wheel. Right. It advises you to keep your hand on the steering wheel at all times anyways, but then it'll prompt you with a little light to tell you to hit the steering wheel. Have you ever tried driving a little bit without your hands on the wheel just to see what it's like, if you can trust it? I do it. I do it every day. Really? I do it all the time. Yeah. I just hit the button home. And I hit the driving deal. I, well, first I get through the gate, and then once I get through the gate, it can it can take me home. Was it, it nerve wracking at first? Or you, or heck yeah, okay, it was. But now you trust it. Yes, because it's gotten it's gotten a lot better. But I want to just tell you the difference in something that I went through. So I probably shouldn't admit this, but I will. There was a point in time that I would be behind the wheel sometimes, and it was on autopilot, and. On the Y, my wife drives the Model Y Tesla. Mm-hmm. And on that one, sometimes I would just get on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. And it's on auto. And then when it prompts me to hit the wheel, I would go ahead, grab the wheel, and then go back to my phone. Wow. Well, in my plaid, in the S plaid right now that I have, when I drive in it, and I went to go try to do that in the beginning, it has cameras inside. It sees your eyes it go see- down. It sees that. Cool. And it was, and it kicked me off. The auto deal, right? And so those kind of things, you will lose your privileges if you get caught doing that. So oh, right so now, wait a minute. They, they will not let you ever use it. Then you, you could, you can't access it if you start. Wow. If your behavior on there is how bad. do you earn it back? I haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> you say, well, say something nice about Elon. I, I, no, that's interesting behavioral control. There must be some psychology there where Tesla knows that if the risk is too great and you lose your privilege that you won't do that risky behavior. Right. Right? right you right. are being trained by mm-hmm. Tesla. <laughs> okay. No, well, it's I guess, true. I guess it's, I guess it's kind of true. Also, You're following the rules oh, because the risk is yeah. too great. And also, I do know this in driving in a Tesla. I know that when I'm driving, everything's being recorded. Right, all wow. p- panels of my vehicles being recorded. So if I'm a, if I'm going to be at fault, then um, <laughs> it's going to be proof. It's, it's good. there's proof right the, there. The receipts, right? So now I want to go back to: Do I think that some of the models do need to get upgraded? Need that update? Yes, because I don't think all models have the camera that's inside of the vehicle. So um, I do I. I just very seriously doubt that there will be a lot of people just going in, taking their vehicles in, but who knows? That might happen. But I think overall, Tesla has this bad rep out there, right? For non-Tesla users. I think Tesla users are very confident in their purchase, in their support of the company, and... They have no problem with any. Like, that's what I hear from so many Tesla owners. No doubt about any it. Any negative information that comes out, they're like, oh, it'll be fine. Right. Because because I'll give you an example. My wife was just rear ended in the Tesla in, in, in her Model Y oh. um, was today. I think on Monday. Is she okay? No, no, no. Last week. Yeah, she's OK. okay. And she got hit rear ended by a person with no insurance, of course. Uh but guess how much? It's, it's it's a little little ding, little okay. ding. Sixty five hundred dollars so far, yeah. and they haven't even gone inside of it yet. So yeah. it's going to be sixty five hundred right right away. I'm bringing that up to say, you ain't got Tesla drivers out here without insurance. You for <laughs> sure that you, you you have insurance. You know what I mean? Uh, and you are trying to do the right thing because you don't want to be at fault and you don't want to have those things. And insurance is really expensive hmm. on those things, so it gets a bad rap. I and think, it shouldn't. Yeah, you you have nearly convinced me of that, G. Oh, are you going to get one? No, I can't afford a Tesla. Are you kidding me? I spent all my money on a house. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Million dollars. I have no more money, G. No more.
Dusty Scott at 9 o'clock on Kyra News Radio. Seattle's morning news. Let's get an update now on the two Evergreen State College students who apparently suffered carbon monoxide poisoning inside campus housing. Kyra News Radio's Kate Stone has been following this. What's the latest? Yeah, guys, the good news is, as we did hear yesterday from Washington State Patrol, which has taken over the investigation, that one of those students has been released from the uh, hospital. The other one is still recovering, remains hospitalized, but is on the men. So that's the good news. Unfortunately, now the investigation continues into exactly how this happened because it did kill one student. We've learned that student is 21-year-old Jonathan Rodriguez of DuPont. And what I can say about this is when you think campus housing, you're not exactly thinking what I saw, which is these are kind of modular apartments, which are sort of single story, I would say... Uh, small houses, essentially, that can house about three to four students like each. Like as big as a shed? I'm not going to say shed, bigger. but uh, bigger than a shed. Okay. Um, it sort of reminds me of of sort of, I mean, it's modular housing, so I, it's okay. hard to... A shipping container? A shipping container. Kind of like a double wide, yeah. but oh, a, a little bit higher quality, obviously. Okay. So a small okay. house, a single story, and... Uh, these students live about three to four in there. I asked them, they said it's actually assigned housing, but uh, a few of the students live, I mean, they live just feet away, and they essentially said that they had seen it all happen. Uh, Jacob Benjamin is one of the ones that I talked to, and he said that he actually watched this happen, and he was pretty traumatized by the experience. He Essentially, what we learned from the college, Evergreen State College, is that a carbon monoxide alarm had had gone off in the unit uh, sometime during that day, and they had sent someone out there to work on it. Kelly Von Holtz with Evergreen College said this. We have a monitoring alarm system, and those had gone off earlier in the day, and so the contractor had been out. They had last been on campus around 7 p.m. So that was 7 p.m. on Monday night. Around 8.30, a student residence manager said they could not get a hold of the students that lived in that at night? apartment. Yes, okay. at 8.30 at night, so about an hour and a half later. And an officer from Evergreen State College, along with some firefighters, knocked on the door and they couldn't get a response from the students. They broke down the door to find three students apparently overcome unconscious and they were carried out. And a lot of the students that lived in, again, this is about nine, 10, maybe a dozen buildings kind of in a circular area there. A lot of them didn't even realize what had happened until the next day when an email went out from the school. And Jacob, who I talked to, he said that that somebody came by a couple of hours later, but but didn't tell them anything, just said, you know, we just want to make sure everyone's OK and then left again. I have a soundbite on that, but I can't find it at the moment. Mm. But what, it's what we were wondering this morning right. is so a student has died. Two were sent to the hospital. One right. has since been released. And typically when we hear of carbon monoxide poisoning, it's during a cold snap and somebody has brought their charcoal you know, grill in or they have their generator inside the house and that's what contributes to it. Right. But we have heard nothing about where this carbon monoxide came from. And that is something that Washington State Patrol is now looking into because it's not really clear. We weren't able to get a look inside or anything like that. It's not exactly clear where the if there was a problem inside of the housing, which uh, all appearances are that there were, where exactly that came from when the alarm went off and the school says that it did go off, why the problem was apparently not fixed or if it was fixed, how these students still ended up 
getting carbon monoxide poisoning. How are these units heated? Are they? Is it electricity? Or the is understanding it gas? that I have from the students and from the school is that there's a water boiler. How up to date that is is kind of a question, and that's actually something that I was talking to the next door neighbors who are also students. And keep in mind, this is assigned housing, and they were essentially saying this is an ongoing problem there with maintenance issues. There was mm. one of the neighbors, Chris Pennington, who lives next door with Jacob. He said they've had a hole in their roof for four days. And this is kind of what he said about the situation. I want the school to succeed. Honestly, this is a very unique place. But when this kind of stuff happens, it's just it's just going to kill the school. And I don't want that to happen. I don't because who's going to send their student here when this kind of stuff happens? Now, Washington State Patrol, which has taken over the investigation, says they have brought in out-of-state specialists to track down where this is coming from. We brought in an out-of-state firm, a forensic engineering firm that specializes in carbon monoxide investigations. And they spent the day with our detectives on site doing forensic analysis. That was Chris Loftus. He's with Washington State Patrol. And yeah, he says that they are they're doing everything they can to kind of track this down. But at a memorial yesterday for Jonathan Rodriguez, some of the students were pretty outspoken and sort of shouting at administration officials that someone needs to take responsibility for this. And students like Jacob said that this is causing real concern from their parents. My family knows about this and they're like, there's no way you're staying here. Like you're coming home right now. Now I did talk to the executive vice president, Dr. Dexter Gordon of the college, and he said they are aware of maintenance issues and have been in the past, but it is something they're continuing to work to improve. With an infrastructure that was built at the end of the 60s, you can appreciate that there are challenges. But he says something like this has never happened on campus before. But the students say that other things like they pointed to a water pipe that they said exploded last summer. And they said this this is a symbol of ongoing maintenance issues and also staffing issues at the college. And now with Washington State Patrol taking over the investigation, it will they're trying to determine who, if anyone, is at fault for this or if it was just a tragic accident. It truly is. This sounds like really substandard stuff. What? What's your impression? What What's happening to Evergreen? I mean, once upon a time, it was seemed to be pretty well-financed and, uh, and well-attended, but it sounds like those days are gone. It's tough to say, Dave, because I can say that I didn't get a look at all of the housing, and uh-huh. I can say that it's certainly not the type of dorm-style housing that I had when I attended college. Like I said, these are a lot of scattered houses, for lack yeah. of a better term. How old but are they? They are old. They they were okay. built in the 1960s. Oh, okay. Most of the campus was built in the 1960s. And the infrastructure, as you just heard from Dr. Gordon, is... We have college campuses that date back to the 1800s, and they, you know, they update them from time to time, so this kind of thing can't happen. Right, exactly. Really and the school did point out that they have carbon monoxide alarms inside of the units. So it'll be interesting to see if those failed. But it is interesting that there was a contractor apparently there an hour and a half before these students mm. were found working on what appeared to be a problem. But again, there's a lot of details we're still waiting on, and that's why Washington State Patrol says they are going to get to the bottom of it. One of our texters had said, this is the most confusing thing I've ever heard. And I I wrote back, I said, you're not alone. There's a lot of missing information on something that should be more clear cut. Right. Nobody's wanting to say anything, though, because they don't want the liability at this point. Right, definitely. Yeah, somebody's died. Kindness Radio's Kate Stone. Thank Thank you, Kate. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News, the podcast. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. You can find our podcast weekday mornings right at 930. And if you subscribe, you will never miss the Daily Dose of Kindness.